This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 386, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 386. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me are Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Greetings. We are fanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read some comics. One of us picks the best one. We're right up on the website. We talk about it on the podcast, along with the other books of the week, other topics of interest. And of course, since this is a review show, there might be spoilers, as if there would be anything to spoil in this week's books. I can't think of anything, but there might be. So if you haven't read your books yet, pause and come back. It'll make everyone happier and healthier. And before I introduce Josh and his pick of the week, I will say this, that I think two picks ago for me, I said that it was like the worst week of comics I had in a long time. Uh, that week, compared to this week, looks much better because this week, I think, was the worst week of comics I've had in a long time. Oof. Josh has the pick. Oof. Yeah. It was, uh, it was ugly out there. That's not to say there weren't things that were sure fine. There were lots of yeah. fines. When you're doing a pick fine. of the week, you want to have great. some. You, you great. You do well. You want to have something to say. You want to be able to to pick something out that you can you can talk about or or appreciate in some way that maybe you had not before. Uh, and uh, when I when I looked at my very small, I looked for other things to read, and there was just there was just did nothing out there. It's weird. It's a weird week. It feels like a fifth week, but it's not. No, it's in the middle. It's middle of this. It sweeps. It should be sweeps. <laughs> uh, That's still a thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't. There's not enough people watching anymore, so Matt doesn't matter. I picked uh, the longest title to type: Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher, Part One of Two, by uh, Hall of Fame Eisner inductee Richard Corbin. It blew my mind when I read your review that in the first line that he's seventy-two years old. Yeah, and that was really—it makes sense, but you don't really think about it. I just, like it, he's been around so long. I but. just didn't realize that he was part of that generation. Uh, Richard right. Corbin is an artist who's been around for a long time, it appears. Um, but I, I tended to think of him as as not of this newer generation. Maybe maybe a couple back. Maybe sort of Walt Simonson's generation, something like that. Um, but no, uh, so Richard Corbin, uh, he, and he's done this before. This is not the first time he's done adaptations of, of sort of classics. Uh, but if you've been around comics for a little while, you've seen his work here and there. He, he'll work with, um, he'll do miniseries for the big two every once in a while. I just, I had no idea that he's, he's got that sort of legacy about him. Uh, and, that, and that, I mean, the thing that belies that is that he's, he's still doing work uh, of a caliber like he always has. Which, I, I think that's part of the reason why he feels contemporary is because... Yeah, his artist, his work is so contemporary, and he's pr it's pretty prolific. And like, it just doesn't look like it doesn't look like he's ever stopped. It doesn't look like he's ever slowed down. It doesn't look like his art is ever uh, uh, suffered at all. It's just, he's a great artist, 
And um, I was actually really looking forward to this because I, I remember this story. You know, I remember reading this story when I was younger, but I don't actually remember anything about it other than I liked it. And I know what happens at the very end. <laughs> and spoiler so like, alert the house falls down yeah that, basically that's 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 the only thing i remember of it but i remember reading it like way back early high school and going that was really cool um so it was fun to see what he would do with this and i was just really impressed by what he turned it into it, it felt like i was reading an old issue of like an ec comics uh uh you know tales from the crypt or something like that there's a mag the hag uh uh narrator at the beginning and the end who i do not believe is part of poe's original I checked to make sure, but um. so for the for the people who haven't who don't remember high school, mm-hmm. uh, or perhaps haven't entered high school, if you, you shouldn't be listening, and if you or just never went to high school, uh, perhaps you could t- you know re- refresh their memory about the plot of the story. Uh, a, a dude is is on the way to see his old friend Roderick Usher. He he's he's on it. He's his name is Alan. Uh, it, he's having a bad trip on the way there. His horse takes off. Um, he gets there at this big creepy overgrown house and when he gets inside uh there's pages and pages of sort of silent uh silent great storytelling in here and and very moody the whole thing's very moody um yeah. and he trips over a bunch of corpses because apparently it has flooded recently which which made the uh, family crypts the thing is if i'm going to your house yeah. and i end up tripping over mul- not even one corpse but multiple Except corpses a, a lot of corpses I'm just gonna turn around yeah. and go home. I like when he sorry. brings it up. He's like, he's like, man, I saw some dead bodies in uh, in the front. What's up with that? And the guy has to explain. You know, they came for that. There, there are other ushers who yeah. were buried, and then this the water came up, and there's all this fog around. And it reminded me a lot of. Um, I mean, the, the Fall of the House of Usher is like the quintessential Gothic haunted house sort of story. Um, but then it also reminds me of the the new Hammer film, uh, The Lady in Black, the Daniel Radcliffe movie, uh, which I did not like all that much. But the atmosphere is, is very similar. This house on the moors, you know, surrounded by, you know, this this eerie fog, and there's something not quite right going on with uh, the brother and sister. Um, yeah, there's a brother and sister, Roderick Usher, and his sister. I forget her name. Um, and he's Madeline. He's painting her. And she's nude, and it's all very—it's very odd. And just there, there's this pervading sense of creepy that's in there, but also awkwardness at the same time, which make it feel uh, sort of contemporary, also because awkwardness is sort of feels like a '90s and up thing that we've really just chose to, to focus on. And it, um, and the the really funny part about this is that Alan, the sort of protagonist, he never speaks up or says anything. <laughs> he's just got that stiff upper lip thing where he's, uh, you know, he's he's just like. Well, yeah. That's well, he's genteel, and yeah. um, he's uh, and he's uh, that old thing of he's he's an observer. He's the he's you know the narrator of the the original tale, right? And then cast into this, it's it's more noticeable that he's so passive and that he doesn't do that much. Well, the thing that really impressed me, I guess, is how much is is being uh, conveyed visually as opposed to through the text. Uh, mm-hmm. All of that mood stuff, all of the characters body language and their reactions are are captured really well in this style that is like it's it's like realistic cartoony meaning that the way that corbin draws has this has it feels this, like nothing else it looks like nothing it else does. Like it has a third dimensional quality to it it yep. feels mm-hmm. rounded it feels it, uh, it it doesn't feel flat in any way but it's not a trick it's just really a high look- level of skill I look at his art and feel like they should be made out of clay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You know, like it, like yeah. kind of like you're looking at a claymation mm-hmm. on, on paper. This this is there's a quality, a physical quality to his art that's just un, unusual. And it's you know he's a horror legend, and these are the kind of stories. Sure. This I mean I didn't read this, but I now I feel dumb for not reading it. But uh, you can still. I can. That's the thing. I can go back and get it. Yeah. Um, it's, only, but, it's only a two issue mini, um, and it's it's great. It's it's it was really it was a lot of fun. Uh, it gave me uh, an excuse to sort of look up and find out more about Richard Corbin than I hadn't known. Um, and yeah. I realized a couple of things. You know, I knew that he'd done that sort of weird cage miniseries that they did with Marvel Max and Brian Azzarello. Yes, he did. I think it's one of the reasons I thought he was younger because I was like, well, they're not going to choose an old mm. white dude for that. But I remember they did. I think the first time I saw his art was when he did Hellblazer. Yeah. And Hellblazer, uh, the, that Brian Azzarello story about John in prison in America. Um, he drew that. That was my first ever Hellblazer arc and issue. I, I didn't realize, I didn't remember that he was the uh, that he was the artist on that. So that was mm-hmm. cool. that was a nice little little touchdown with me. Um, 
is just another one of those. It, it feels like whenever I end up picking uh, one of these sort of off off the rail, uh, off the sort of beaten path dark horse books, I'm just blown away by craft and 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 that's sort of what happened here. Like I just really enjoyed the craft of it. And on a week where there wasn't a whole other whole lot of other bombast, it was sort of easy to to tuck into this and and sort of uh, take time to appreciate it and look at it and sort of just see how how well it's done. Um, compared to it's fun to see to see a, a master at work um yeah. i I'm, I'm more of a more of a newbie so my first my, my introduction to corbin was with uh the conan book um conan uh of samaria or the sumerian yeah. um and he did the the stuff about conan's grandfather um so it was so the, so I, I really liked that, and then to see him in, in doing more of the um, the Hellboy stuff, uh, he's such a perfect fit it, just for for Dark Horse's whole milieu. Um, like- but then I also I picked up over over Christmas. I picked up he has they have a collection of his creepy comics, um, a nice big hardcover, and it's just. It, it's it's this huge catalog of work, and there are all these great little short stories. And there's one. It's it's not even gothic horror. It's about this couple that are they're trapped. It's sort of that that movie. You know that movie where um, there's these scuba divers, and they come up, and their boat is gone, and they're being circled by sharks. Open mm-hmm. water, yeah. Open um, water. Open, open water. Open water. Open water. Yeah. It's so, so did I. Yeah. Yeah. It's ve- it's very it's a very similar premise to that, and it's about the survival story, and then. The you know one of them doesn't make it very far, and so the other one is left with this corpse, and the sharks are just swirling around and around, and and it gets even darker after that after he's rescued, um, and uh, no he's he's just an amazing storyteller, and what I really liked is that as you said it's not just pose text over imagery. Yes, I was worried it's, it was going to be that. Yeah, I was worried about that too, and and it, it, there's a bit of that in the beginning, but then it stops, and it and it gives it's given over to Corbin just doing visual storytelling. Yeah, and, he straight up adapted it. He didn't just illustrate it, which I thought. Yeah, and there's like dialogue and stuff. It's so yeah, it's not just a you know an, an illustrated uh, prose piece or, or poem, as it were. So so you can also read this and just feel like you're smart because you're reading literature, <laughs> which is which is helpful, uh, I think. Uh, you know, but uh, and and I don't mean to take I don't I don't want to take away from it. And be like, well, it was a crappy week, so it was able to 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 get the win. Like it's it was a really good book. Also, uh, you may remember uh, me and Paul uh, Hellboy in Mexico was one of our favorite issues of that year, and Corbin did. Oh that. yeah, Vampire Turkeys. Vampire Turkeys. <laughs> it's got you it's s- got great timing, and there's this quality of of horror and comedy uh, at the at the same time. Uh, you know, like sort of sort of. You know the same thing that people like about old Sam Raimi movies. I think there's it's a really interesting cliffhanger because yeah. he kind of softens it with a bit of a joke, <laughs> with a bit of a pratfall kind of. Instead, that was not what I was expecting, but it it just adds to the absurdity of what's going on in this house. It's, it's absurd, it's very kind of creepy. It's yeah, and that that's even more unnerving than just straight up gothic scares and black cats and stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, great, great, great single issues. There's only two of them. Uh, I, I, I couldn't recommend it higher in terms of sort of just well, well-made comics. Now there were, there were, it was a rough week, but, all, but mostly because there were things that were, you know, still good. Um, one of the ones that was still good was Nova Number Four, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm, I'm, I'm continually surprised about how much I'm enjoying this book. You've been fully on board. I'm fully on board. Paul, are you still reading this? Yeah, I'm still reading this. Um, I love this character. I think he's fun. And I always like the young superheroes who actually seem to enjoy being superheroes. You know, I yeah. think there's a nice tonic to the, you know, the, the dark, you know, sort of angsty, you know, wave we've been in for 30 years. Um, but, uh, you know, he's this Sam Alexander kid's fun. He's running around. He's, he's flying through space. He's, he's fighting the Shatari. He's, uh, he's taking lessons from video games cause he's the generation that, you know, has grown up on on playing shooters and yeah. uh, and space combat stuff, and so he actually employs that knowledge from the formulaic uh, space adventure games that he's played um, to t- to try and destroy a, a Chitari vessel. He's like, okay, I gotta take I gotta take out the mothership, or like he could have been one of the kids who saw um, 
Marvel's The Avengers and knows <laughs> that once you take out the mothership, everything right. else falls over. And so um, I don't know if that was a little bit of a commentary on that, but it was uh, it was kind of funny. And and he runs into one of his his dad, the the former Nova's um, supposed comrades, his partner, um, his, his Nova partner. troop in the in the the black. What is Black Core, Black Core, right? Yeah. And it's uh, Titus, the the white tiger kind of dude. Um, and apparently, apparently, um, Dad maybe got some of the facts wrong or um, gelled over some things in his narrative to the boy. So um, Titus doesn't remember uh, old Dad so fondly and is ready to to gut the kid. And the ultimate nullifier shows up. I think this is this is just a, this is just super fun, um, and you know the, the kid's got the ultimate nullifier now. He doesn't really quite understand what he's got in his possession, and he's he's a young kid, which could be problematic. Um, and uh, it, it this is just that kind of old Marvel storytelling in that you've got a, a new person finding their powers, figuring figuring out this whole crazy world, being dropped in the middle of this cosmic battle, uh, and being given abilities and weapons that are far beyond his comprehension yeah i'm reading it and i'm like this would be a great animated series like i'd, I'd love to watch something like this on the cartoon network or whatever they're, um, they're totally setting this up for something because if, if uh, only, they got to be doing something if only there was some connection to the tv department if only jeff Loeb was in charge of all of marvel tv but um, i mean it's just it's just lighthearted. it's got yeah. the great colorful cast all the different aliens the, you know, mean, the vehicles and stuff they could make shit loads of toys out of this stuff but it just it, it just feels like that kind of book and and of a high quality and the ed so. mcginnis art is just wonderful for this story um, <laughs> you know now we got a you know we got the creative team change coming up right so. and that's that's what i'm gonna bail because i i really you're just gonna like bail this. you're not gonna try it or well probably bail there's a low McGinnis magic. Yeah, there really the is. Whole, they work is together. the whole creative team changing or just? I believe it's Paco Medina is doing the art. Okay. No, he's fine. It's just there, there's a magic when these two guys work together. And I think that, that uh, Loeb does have a handle on this character pretty well. And it's fun. I've, I've, I've liked some, some Zeb Wells Spidey stuff, so I'll, I'll, check, I'll, I'll check it out at least. Maybe I'll take one issue, but we'll see. It is, it is, it's, it is sad to see you know, this ending so, so quickly in terms of this, this run. Right, but I shouldn't. I also wasn't surprised to see that either. Um, yeah. Just that's just the way it is. Uh, the book I would have probably made the pick was Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number twenty-three. Um, you know, the one thing I liked about this was that they jumped ahead a year. We yeah. we uh, we got you know the last issue ended with Miles's mother dying, and now we've jumped ahead uh, to to one year past that event, and we we don't have to dwell in it. And this is one of the things I wish they'd do in Batman. It's just, you know, jump ahead and not deal with all the craziness and you get a little bit yeah, older. Yeah, and they, they don't ignore it. I mean, it's definitely... No, definitely. It's a heavy factor he's, in his life. He's given up being Spider-Man, but everyone else kind of doesn't want him to have done that. And he's dating Kate Bishop and, uh, and uh, who has a red streak in her hair and he is being hounded by... Jessica Drew to be Spider-Man again, and he's hanging out with his dad. It's still kind of awkward. And and remind me, in Jessica Drew in this universe, this is the clone of Peter Parker? She's the clone of Peter Parker, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because, yeah, they, there's definitely an image where she pulls off her mask and is like, whoa, what's that? Is yeah, Peter yeah. with a wig? Uh, um, that's what Peter looked like for most of the series. <laughs> right. Um, and one thing I, I was thinking about <laughs> yeah. with this book is that, um, you know, Bendis is a fan of the long runs. He did a long run on Avengers. He did a long run on Daredevil. He's doing a long run on Ultimate Spider-Man. And this is the only book of his that it hasn't gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, it's it's time to hand the reins over to somebody else. Like he he still creates a super compelling story with these characters, and maybe because he basically, you know, gutted the cast and, and started with a new character. I don't think that, that was a bad idea. That doesn't feel stale, but it doesn't feel stale. It feels compelling and interesting, and the characters are wonderful. And the fact that he's been able to to write these characters for, you know, uh, thirteen years now really gives them the depth and you know obviously not miles but, but gwen is in this book and he's been writing her for that long and it just feels like a very well um thought out universe a full of characters that he really understands and it's yeah very, I, I like i really like all the character inter- i mean throughout it's, it's just a whole bunch of just miles interacting with different people and figuring out where they are after a year and then you know how they feel about him not doing this anymore or what they know and what they don't know and you know that goes along with uh his dad and i, I really like their interaction too we're like we're gonna go to a chinese restaurant and it's gonna get something to eat and then he bumps into a girl that he you know used to know and it's but it's complicated because this is gwen and how does he explain gwen to his dad and then dad's just like kids got game all of a sudden because <laughs> he's got women coming i, I really like that panel 
Yeah. And he's just looking at the menu and just like just you know being a like a, a proud dad or whatever. And uh, seriously, though, how many pretty blonde girls? <laughs> let him do the thing. Of, how many pretty blonde girls you know work in Chinese food places in New York City? Because <laughs> that is not a native writing that. Because no one who'd lived there would ever put that together. That's true. But she had to be there. She had to work in there somehow. So they could have had. They could have been somewhere else. I'm saying. Okay, but uh, no, this is just wonderful. The character interaction is just great. I agree with you on that. Um, and it, this was probably. If I hadn't read, if I hadn't made the pick of the week that I did make the pick of the week, this would have been it. Mm. But it's still, I, I, I'm still smarting from the like. I just, I don't know. I, I didn't. Like overall, I just I feel like we're kind of treading. He's treading familiar ground over and over, just giving you names of people who exist in other things. And while it is compelling, there's something about it that's lacking in originality or something. That's I just I. I can't. I don't even know because I've said it before in a lot of the things, but for some reason it left a bad taste in my mouth when they, they just like they are trying to recreate everything instead of making a new thing, but they're not really. I don't know. I don't well, think I th- I th- the creation of Peter at all in this. I think this is forward momentum from Ultimate Peter. I mean, sure. Ultimate Peter. I think what you're saying is more true because that's you know the, a direct, you know, one to one kind of thing with a few differences. With this, it's your. You know, Peter didn't have a previous Spider-Man that he would that he had to live up to that legacy, or not make the same mistakes, or uh, interact with his you know friends and loved ones, and that that's what kind of makes this interesting. The other thing is, um, I haven't read all of the issues of this, and I, fi- I found it true even when he was writing Peter, just the regular Ultimate Spider-Man, that um, if I would just drop the book for a few months and then come back. It would feel fresh again, and maybe that's part of why this is refreshing to me because the last, the previous issue, was my first in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so it, it it felt like new territory to me. The fact is true. I've never, I've never been bored with a single issue of this mm-hmm. for however many thirteen years. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's definitely something. It's also gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, really, you just yes. you know, Sarah Pacelli basically drew an issue with people talking. Yeah, I know, I know that's the Bendis joke, but this is the issue basically where he was very Bendisy in this one. He's trying to decide whether or not to be Spider-Man again. Obviously, he will be, but you know, so it's mostly just him talking to people about. Yeah, I mean, it, this is like pinball uh, word balloons. I mean, <laughs> you got to like trace a bit, like okay, who's talking in this one? All right, and then you go back and it's old yeah, school Bendis back, in, the, in the best yeah. in the best way. But no, I, I really it really agree. does continue to be a great book. Thir- and, th- and the thing is, thirteen years we got, you know, that's a that's a heck of a run, and we were all ready for him to move. And then move on, but 13 years out of this, he still has this this world at his fingertips pretty pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll come back to that in one of the questions later. Uh, another thing I wanted unusual release, but it's a light week, and uh, it's a, a good a good uh, buddy of ours, Gabe Hardman, uh, released a book digitally this week called Kinski Number One, and I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. It was not what I expected, but I wasn't sure what to expect. It's um, it's taxi driver with a dog. So it's like I don't. I, that, yeah, that's the thing. I that's, like yeah. I don't know exactly where it's headed, but it's basically this this guy who's disgruntled or maybe unha- a little unhappy with his job. He's miss. Uh, Gabe said on Twitter that this guy is missing something in his life, and mm-hmm. but he works for a like a chicken feed company, like a um, like it's not for uh, long. feed stock company yeah and um he's a he's a rep for that kind of thing and he comes across this puppy dog one day and he's gonna t- he's gonna claim it as his own and you know people come out out from work or whatever and like oh who's the dog who, who you know who you know i'll take it if, if you know you don't want it or whatever and and he makes this scary face like no he's mine <laughs> and you're like what what it's just a weird turn because up until then it was this very sweet story this guy finding a dog um then later on, the the police take the dog away, and um, because they want to uh, put him up in a shelter, and they give you know the original owners time to come and claim the dog, and you know if they don't, what's going to happen to the dog? So he's thinking about he's preoccupied with this the entire day, and all through a meeting and, and stuff, and kind of botches his job, and then he goes and is going to try to claim this dog as his own, but it's already been claimed. He goes. After the original owner, he figures out through the uh, the sign-in sheet who the original owner is who picked up the dog, and he's going to go find it. And basically, he steals the dog in the night. Um, 
so it's it's like this story of kind of obsession. It's like it's I don't know. It's like a taxi driver one hour photo kind of character yeah. to me. That's what it felt like. I remember and, thinking ahead of time, like, how's he gonna do this? Like, how's he gonna fit it in? These are full length stories. This one's twenty three pages, and then you you get through it and you go, oh, I I see. It's it's all a very sort of rigid uh, six panel grid and sort of working within that feature, and the the art is a little stripped down. Um, not in a bad way. Uh, so Paul, this is Paul. This is your second Monkey Brain book, right? You talked about one before. Yeah, yeah. Is it the format the same for the? Uh, is it? Are they doing whatever they want? Seems like they're doing whatever they want. I could be wrong about that. I'm only looking at the two, but they're two very different things. Yeah, no, the format. That one was painted. I feel like this is just. No, I mean, I mean, more like, is it? Is it landscape mode? Is it? Is it comic? The regular comic? comics. The I feel regular like comic all portrait. Be put into graphic novels later it's just they're releasing them this way first okay well, I, I, I don't know it, 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 i mean it just felt like a black and white comic book yeah. to me i mean i didn't really i mean you're, you're right about the the, the the grid layouts and stuff but i thought it was uh, like really beautiful stuff from gabe um i thought like maybe even like maybe just because it's so minimal mm-hmm. um I, like the, it looks a little even better than the Star Wars oh, book it wasn't and then i want that's not a criticism like i just it was a different kind of style and it almost felt like, and I know because we know him and what he talks about is, but it felt like a, it felt like a, like a classic movie. It felt like a movie from a really long time ago. And, and by sticking with a really rigid grid and sticking with these parameters, it has this ongoing pace. There's not a ton of detail. You're just, you're just moving through this thing really quick and it's, it's fairly straightforward. And, and it, no, it was very, it was way. very it was very clear. Like it's like I completely got it. I just you know, I ate it up. Like it was just very easy to read. I thought it was like the storytelling, the expression was was perfect, just spot on. Um and I'm a I'm a dog person, so I'm interested to see where it goes. And I like that I kind of have no idea what None. issue two is. Like I don't know if this guy is if this is gonna be like dog day afternoon and this guy is gonna have a gun at some point. Like I really I don't know. But it's I mean it's not gonna be it's not Nintendogs. This isn't like, you know, cute, happy that something is going a little bit awry here. I like that. And I'm excited to see where that goes. But, uh, it's um, picking up. It's, it's a buck. If you'd like to buy some great products for your dog, um, I would recommend not going to one of those boutique shops that you see because those never last. They come up for like a couple months and then they're gone. And Massive then markup. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend going to ifanboy.com slash Amazon which is your portal, your gateway to the wonderful world of Amazon where you can buy Vita coconut water and puppy products and okay. saxophones. And can you buy puppies? Movie replicas. I don't think you can buy dogs. You could, buy, you could probably buy like an aftermarket Tamagotchi kind of a situation, mm-hmm. like so, a virtual pet. You could buy Nintendogs is well, what you could do. An aftermarket Tamagotchi <laughs> as opposed to – Like a brand new one? Yeah. I don't think they sell those anymore. I believe somebody's making them. I think they're under a different name, though. I don't think anybody calls them. You could get a Furby. That you could do. That's it's all. It's basically the same thing as a pet. (laughs) I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the Furby is. I mean, it's 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 one step removed from even having a human child. I'm let you know what's fun. Read the um read the product reviews on a Furby. Because there are parents who are like, I can't get the Furby to shut up. It's it's doing weird things. Help me out. And then people responding to each other. It's great. Um, it just seems seems like playing The Sims. Yeah, The Sims. It really does. It is. That's exactly what it is. I got enough stress in my life. There's a new version of The Sims coming out. You could get that. No, we we. Oh, others could. Yeah, that's fine. If on Amazon, to, no. If you want simulated stress to add to the regular stress of your life, <laughs> go for it. Oh. You want it in the box. Don't go to Steam because we don't have a Steam have, portal. Have, can you still buy World of Warcraft 3? Not World of Warcraft 3. There Warcraft is no such 3. thing as World of Warcraft I mean Warcraft 3. I, I'm, I'm, you must be able to. Digitally, yeah. Uh, because, okay. Have you lost your disc? It's asking for a friend. That's all. <laughs> was, he, he wanted me to ask, make it sure. It great on my new computers. Because <laughs> it, it, it was developed 15 years ago. Oh, God. So anyway. Computer now. Anyway, go to lifehandwire.com slash Amazon. Make that your bookmark. It helps us out. It, uh, it doesn't cost you anything, and we appreciate it. That was a diversion. Uh, I, didn't, I just saw the whole, the whole coming, and I realized that was a bad way to go because I'm stuck on that level where you have to survive for 30 minutes. And, oh. And I'm wondering if my computer can actually handle playing that in one window while I talk to you. <laughs> it, it, I bet it could. 
I bet you it could too. Anyway, let's get back to the music. Uh, Just League of America's vibe number four, Paul. I feel the same way about Nova. In okay. That. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I am. I like the main character a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he is interesting. I like the fact that he's basically being used as a puppet by the government and he doesn't like it and, and so actually says stuff about it. It's, well, you know, it's very skeptical of this entire operation, but it's still at the same time very happy to be a superhero. You know, so he can't completely you know, push back into the government who are, who are allowing him to be a superhero and be on the Justice League. But at the same time, he's like, this isn't, this isn't right what we're doing. This is not cool. Um, that sounds entirely reasonable. Um, but despite all intentions to the contrary, I was, I'm not reading it. I don't know what happened with that sentence. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to read this series after the first issue, and I just didn't. So uh, you're on your own with this one. That's fine. And this issue, uh, Gypsy shows up. Gypsy is a old Justice League of America character, Justice League Detroit character, and she's a in this in this she's a person from another dimension. So they they sent Vibe to find her because Vibe, much like uh, the characters on Fringe, can see characters from other dimensions as glowing light, and uh, so he has to help her. And then at the end, he finds out she's hot because he's only sees her as a. As I'm a, surprised that got through because it's kind of a racially insensitive name. Uh, Gypsy. Well, Gypsy is a thing. I mean, it's it's it is a name. But yeah, but I wouldn't. Is she a gypsy? She's a character from another dimension. I don't know anything about her beyond that. Maybe it's not offensive in those other dimensions. She's a metaphorical. I don't know. No, I didn't. She. <laughs> anyway, I quite I quite I'm enjoying this. It's issue four. I'll give it another three before it's canceled. Where do you come uh, up with these numbers? Just, just, just guessing. Okay. Actually, the books that DC have canceled have lasted a few, a bit longer. No, than it's not. It'll, it won't. It'll make it past seven. It'll, I'll say nine, nine to ten. Yeah. Well, I got another, another, another six months out oh, of God, it. You're good. Yeah. You're good. You're fine. In the meantime, Dream Merchant number one. The Dream uh, Merchant number yeah. one. This Did was a big this? book. Yes. Uh, 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 this was. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it. And it doesn't seem like it, but this is Nathan Edmondson's new series or mini series from from Image Comics um, with an artist. Why doesn't it look like that? His books don't tend to look like that. His books have been. Oh, you very... say it doesn't look like a Nathan Edmondson book? Yeah, 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 yeah. It just it his books are a all of his books seem to have been straight up sort of military or spy sort of on the run thrillers. Yeah. And this is actually exactly that, but half of it taking place in the. Dream How dare he be well rounded? Except it's true, he should he should stick in that box that we put him in and never leave it. But here's my complaint. Okay, it's exactly the same story as the other ones. <laughs> Stay in the box. It's Stay just the box. With, with the dream people as opposed to the mysterious CIA people. It, it really How is, it is the same story. That he meets a girl. They end up on the run together. It's the same thing as Dancer. It's the same thing as Where is Jake oh, Ellis? Okay, Dancer. It's, yeah. It, he's done this. This is the third time he's done this story. Okay, and it Didn't was well done. I here's here's I mean here's my problem. I have a well known distaste for uh, dream sequences, and and as do I. And we're going to talk about another one. Yeah, exactly. That there's a reason that book comes next, uh, and right. and just sort of the hallucination part of of getting through telling a story. You know, it's well constructed. It's fine if you like stuff like this. You might like it, but it's very familiar in tune, tone to the other story. It is great looking. I love this art. In this book, yeah, this is really neat. Like it, like I, I'm hard pressed to describe it. The, the only thing, the the characters themselves, are like these tall, lanky, sort of like the the people in the 101 Dalmatians movies, mm-hmm. the Disney one, the animated it one. It reminds me of Don Bluth. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. A, a little bit. So uh, a little bit of those things. Ooh. Uh, is is the artist on that? It's a really like it's a beautiful, well produced book. It's fine. I just don't like dream sequences, and it feels, at the end of the day, very familiar. You know, people it, are chasing me. I don't know why. Come with me, girl. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of that, but it, 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 I'm at least interested in the next one because because it's so so beautiful, and I kind of like that. I don't like dream sequences either, but I like that it's it's about a guy who has trouble distinguishing between dreams and reality, and it's not just about him, you know, being in a dream. It's true. Being in a dream world, it's it's that you know in. Uh, having an incursion into his into his regular life and it's kind of a neat setup he he lives in a you know mental hospital and so there's a bit of the um unreliable narrator thing going on which could always get interesting or it could get really obnoxious so um this one could go either way but i i, I like the art a whole lot yep. and um i like the i like the character too like he's like he's not an asshole there's a lot of characters who are assholes these days yeah. and he's just kind of a, like this gentle guy who has this 
hor- this horrible situation he has to deal with where he can't stay in touch with reality and he's latched on to something in this girl and this this pursuit um, that keeps him a little sharper or hopefully but is is Conan the barbarian an asshole yeah but we always kind of get around with that is he a pragmatist in this book he's not much of an asshole he's, same thing he's haunted by the deaths <laughs> of the people who uh, this is another hallucination book they, they're in some Conan the barbarian of, 16 yeah they're in some sort of sex house and somebody comes and gives Brothel? him the pill no, because he's with his he's with his his girlfriend. He's with Belit. Wait, but if it's not a brothel and it's a sex, I house. assume there are also whores there, but they also it's a sex party. Them. It's yeah. oh, it's an orgy. It's like the the ice storm. They have a room though. Oh, it's a swingers. It's a key key party. Sort of, but they don't have keys. Well, they have their horses, yeah. right? They it's like a dude a comes rain around party. with a flower yeah, it's a bowl full of reins or something, <laughs> and they they're they're tripping balls the whole day. Who's who's whose leather reins are these? They're uh, basically. It's basically it's this whole like ecstasy thing, and that, but like the guy comes in, he's like, I got the, I got the great, uh, you know, old world drugs. Something lotus. I, I you want it? A yellow lotus, I yeah. believe. I, so I, they're they're sort of like it's like an opium den, but like sexy. Yeah. Or, you know they were doing that back then in the barbarian times. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So it was like it, it's it was a hallucination episode. It was. It was like when the Sopranos did it, and you're just like, okay. Yeah, and there's a and there's a and there was a bit more prose than I like in this. You know, it's the opposite of what uh, Corbin was doing in uh, the Edgar Allan Poe book. Um, I sometimes I like the way Wood um, integrates. Um, I'm impressed. By Robert it, E. But Howard's prose. Yeah, yeah usually I, I just this, this one. There's just a ton of it, and. It's the, you're not latched onto anything. They're 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 in different dream worlds and falling into things. And I mean, that, if that's your thing, then the whole point is to tell you that he feels bad that he picked up his girlfriend when he was on a ship of a bunch of other people who were all killed except for him, and and then he starts dating the lady who killed them all. Right. So he's having he the sexy times, that. the sexy times on the drugs, and he's having a good time. But then, like, it's 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 ruined by corpses, and, like reanimated corpses of his old friends or whatever people that he slighted to get to where he is. And then, like, a kid runs in, yeah. and like that ruins the mood all the time. So also, uh, part one of two. So we get to do this again. Right. <laughs> it's not over. The art's good. Yep. Sure. I like the art. I guess. Speaking of great art, I think that uh, Ramon Perez has come around. On yeah, Wolverine, Wolverine and the X Men twenty nine. Yeah, I think this is a, this is the best issue he's done oh, yeah. uh, by far. I think he's I think he's gotten a hold of uh, the world and characters. I don't know if this is his last issue, probably. But uh, I feel like there's a little more to do. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I just know that he was only supposed to do a, a short run on it, and he's not doing the cover next issue. Yeah. This um, information is probably out there. We're not going to look it up. No. Uh, well, we're on the show. We can't be stopping to do, the, to do some Googling on the show. No, 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 no. The guy who's used to that is gone, so we have to, we have to actually pay attention. If you want, oh. I, can, I can put the mic right over my keyboard and bang on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really liked this uh, issue. I like... Um, what did you like about it? Well, well I, like, I always like time travel stories, and I always like seeing the future... You know, I, those are always my favorite parts of stories. Is is when you get a glimpse to see where these characters are going to end up. You know, of course, nothing is set in stone because they, they will never actually get there. The only part I didn't like was I didn't feel like Wolverine would have gray hair in 25, 25 years. But that was an issue. I I thought that the whole time. I was like, well, how come he's suddenly aging? Yeah. Like when they did Old Man Logan, that was a lot further in the future. Yeah. But other than that, how I really... long? Well, how long did did Logan look like a teenager? He is very, very slowly. He's so... Like, does he just get to be, like, was he a teenager-looking person when he was, like, 70, or? I guess. I've I never like really thought about that. I feel that. like he made it to, like, that somewhere between 35 and 45 with a fairly high degree of grizzle. It's funny, because he shouldn't look grizzled, but in my mind, because he should look just sort of youthful. He yeah. should look it's like, like a... Ultimate Wolverine, but he doesn't. Maybe. It's not as easy as like a Benjamin Button kind of situation. Like no, it's, it's like I, th- I think he would probably get to adulthood and then stop aging. Like I think. Well, he, it's not that he, he, he stops. He just he's very slow. So he has aged a bit because he started. Right. But the, the 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 healing factor would kick in in his teens. So he would he would have gotten normally aging until the healing factor kicked in, and then it would have slowed way down. So let's say Wolverine settles down. Is he going to be like old like forever? Like Mrs. Britt, who used to live across the street from me, who was old for as long as I've been alive. I think so. Yeah. Because that would be awful. And they just have the claws. Yeah. 
It's bad. Anyway, I did, I did like, I did like the way this issue looked a lot, though. I thought, I thought it was very good. I'm looking forward to the idea that they're setting up this anti team with everybody. You know, they, they still, the Hellfire Club is setting up the Hellfire Academy with Heidi. With they still Heidi. Heidi. I'm calling her Heidi. Heidi, mm-hmm. and uh, Dog Wolverine's brother, who uh, well, I guess will be filling Wolverine's role. So they're sort of filling up sort of the uh, old X Men style. It's bold to bring in a character from that book. From Origins? Yeah. But there you go. So those were the books from this week. Not many of them. We talked about almost all the ones I get anything to say about. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics. You can uh, see everything that came out. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review books. And you can also choose your own pick of the week. And we like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And we have a no consensus again this week. Didn't we have a no last week either? Uh, was I on last week or was that the week before? I don't remember. Who knows? What's anymore. happening to us? It's not even hot. No, there wasn't. No, we talked about Thor, and there was like the, a lot of people chose Thor. But it was like thirty-eight percent or something like that, wasn't it? it I was, don't know. It was not a not a quorum. Anyway, these th- could change. So yeah, these numbers could change at the time of recording. They probably will. They definitely definitely will because it's math, and math is always evolving. Math Five. Is, math is fluid. <laughs> Wonder Woman twenty. Six percent of the votes. Number four, Wolverine and the X Men twenty-nine with eight point eight percent of the votes. Number three, Fatal fourteen with twelve point seven percent of the votes. Number two, Supergirl. Number 20, a surprise number two. 15.4% of the votes. Something big must have happened in that I feel issue. Like somebody should have read that. Number one, <laughs> Ultimate Comics <laughs> Spider Man 23, 28.1% of the votes. So uh, nice, nice spread there. And the thing is, I can, you can tell on the show when we've had a long week, this is one of those shows. Really? I yeah. apologize. <laughs> we're all, all. Hey, yeah. hey, whoa, whoa. Where are the, show, where are the, the books I suggested to talk about? What do you mean? I put there are none of the books that I suggest. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> really? I said we should talk about regular show number one and Battlestar Galactica number one, and they're not on the. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. You're it's all right. right. Neither of them I, were fantastic. No, you know but, what? I'm breaking format. Tell me about Battlestar Galactica. So I was Abnett and Lanning. It was all right. <laughs> and that's there you go i saw listen i literally i saw i was like i should read that and then i saw two things i saw a that it was original galactica yeah yeah which doesn't interest me and two i saw that it was a dynamite book so i figured it would look ugly it is it does look ugly and there's <laughs> only one there's only one image of daggett the the, the crazy cybernetic dog mm-hmm. that doesn't figure into the updated Battlestar Galactica. I was interested. I was like, it's classic Battlestar Galactica, which I, I watched as a kid on, I guess it was on the Sci-Fi Channel or something. Um, and it's, you know, when it's... Paul was a kid, they had the Sci-Fi Channel. Jesus. When I was a kid, we had black and white TV. <laughs> it was before it was called Sci-Fi. And uh, really I watched Robot that. Carnival on Saturdays, the anime stuff. Um, all right. And um, it was, it was good. It, it, it's, um, it looks like it's time displaced. So Starbuck and Apollo, who are both dudes... It's not the girl Starbuck. Um, went into they have like time displacement weapons, and I was like, "Oh shit, this isn't gonna go well." And they go out to use those against the Cylons, and then they go into a portal. And the last page, like, "Where are we? When are we? What are we?" <laughs> but there could have been more Daggett. All right, and the other one. Regular show had a talking raccoon and a, and a talking blue jay. This one of those Cartoon Network shows, like um, uh, Adventure Time, and it's a little bit more sedate. I've only seen a little bit of it on TV and they go to a concert. It's outdoors and they're working there and they're picking up the garbage. And then the, uh, the raccoons eating the, the, the hot dogs and the blue jays like, that's not, that's weird. Don't do that. And it's a folk concert. And, uh, this muscly guy goes and he's all green. He goes up and he's like, let's have a mosh pit, but there's a folk concert. You can't have a mosh pit at a folk concert. And he forces a mosh pit upon the party goers and it opens a rift into hell because it's like this weird discord between folk and rock. And it's a, um, it's a cliffhanger. All right. Well, there you go. Those are the books Paul wanted to talk about this week. You're welcome. That's my fault. There's what a, happens is, a is, problem. is you're experiencing a show put together by a guy running on no sleep for four days. Yeah, the fucking turkeys woke me up, man. So there you go. Now let's check out some user reviews. If you go to fanboy.com slash comics, you can envision making your pull list and rating and, and picking your picks of the week. You can also write a user review. The first one is Scarlet Batman reviewed Age of Ultron number six. I'm sorry, number eight. You have a story of five out of five, art of four out of five. Pick week percentage was 0.5%. Scarlet Batman says, this is the payoff I've been waiting for. We get action, adventure, plot, intrigue, excitement. What more could a guy ask for? My only regret is that Age of Ultron wasn't 
the adventures of Logan and Sue from the get-go. Seriously, it could be like sliders, but way better. Someone needs to write that. I'd, it'd be like printing money. The art was top-notch, especially the ending battle with Morgan Le Fay. Really liked it. You know what's funny is that well, I listened to the show that I wasn't on uh, mm-hmm. with Ryan, and, and they were ta- you were talking about Age of Ultron, and I was like, that sounds all right. <laughs> I was like, I should go back and check that out. So that's why that's in there. I was like, well, this guy's not going to. I could. You're not going to, though. I'll you do, could, but I'll you're not. Right now. I, won't. Right. I won't. Parker not. 13 yeah, said a fatale number 14. Story of four out of five, art of five out of five. Pick of the week percentage, nope. Fatale has only gotten better since it started. The flashback issue reveals how Joe and Walt met back in World War II, and it's full of creepy abandoned churches and shootouts with Nazi occultists. It's surprising how these four standalone stories haven't derailed the story but only increased the mythology of the universe. I can't wait to get back to the cliffhanger from the second arc's end, but these four stories have kept me happy in the meantime. Standalone stories serve a purpose. You know, I'm just, I'm, it's the Lovecraft thing. I just, I'm tired and I can't, I can't do it. I, I just, think I want more criminal. That's, I think that's why none of us are reading it, right? I just, I, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I missed it. Although it is the Lovecraft thing, which I really didn't like in the first one. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't interest, It doesn't really interest me. It's not, it the, kind of story, just, it's not I, the kind of story that, I, that I'm interested in. I like those two care, those two creators working mm-hmm. together and I, I want to like it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I might I might check it out in like a collection or something, but just like Nazi occultists and I just like I have enough of that in Hellboy. Like that's I'm fine with that. So I don't need any more. There you go. You got to find out a com slash comics every week. Make your pull list, rate it and review books. And if they're good and they're about books, we don't want to talk about the top. And if they're early enough of the week, <laughs> there's, a lot the of- there's a lot of conditions to get your review in the week. So you should always be proud of yourself if you get on there because you got to jump through a lot of hoops. Uh, let's, do, let's do some audience questions. Josh, kick it off. Uh, Sean writes in and said, I see Ultimate Comics on the shelf, and there seem to be some large story arc that's been going on for the past year based on similar covers. I read Ultimate Spider-Man and some of the Ultimates, and I was turned off by both. The former because it seemed to be rehashing Spidey tropes, and the latter when the characters sat around talking about who would play them in a movie. So that was my a question, long time ago. I guess. <laughs> so that, was the, that was the original story. What's happening in the Ultimate Comics? I know that Ultimate Peter Parker died and Ultimatum just screwed up everything. Beyond that, I've got nothing. That was wow. a long time ago. Was Ultimatum the flood? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, that was... It was a really long time ago. That was a while ago. And the story he's talking about is from the ori- 13 years ago. Yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man and the Ultimate. So he wants us to sum up 13 years of Ultimate. No, what's happened since then? But what I can tell you is that I... This is interesting because the the question made me think like, wait, what happened to Ult? Is there? I feel like at this point there's only the Ultimates and Ultimate Spider Man. Are there other? There's Ultimate X Men too. Oh, and, there's Ultimate X Men. I don't, um, yeah. But I I do I, actually the the bigger question is I feel like there was a point to the Ultimate line 13 years ago. I don't think there's a point to it anymore. And this is what I'm getting at. Is that is that now I feel like it's vestigial, and and it, when Bendis decides to stop doing Ultimate Spider Man, I don't see that. All continuing. It just there, there, thirteen years ago. There was a very, it was a very different comic book world. Marvel needed these stories. They needed to freshen things up. They needed to clean the slate, and and they 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 got these guys who were relatively unknown. I mean, Bendis was not Bendis when thirteen years ago, and so there was a point to it. It was interesting, exciting. It was, just, a, it was to bring in new readers, like younger kids, and start on this is your Spider Man because we we had a Spider Man, you know, for all these decades. It was introduced in the sixties. Now this is your turn. But also, and thirteen years ago, Spider Man wasn't very good, and the the, the Spider Man books yeah, weren't very was, good. That they, was really the thing. The biggest right, problem then, was the books then, weren't good. They, 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 they were this was still coming out of that bankrupt period, sort of restarting the company, and the books weren't good. They had to start something new. They couldn't. So they couldn't reboot continuity. Marvel zombies would freak, so they had to do this, and it, it but worked. Now it's so far removed from like what they can do in the movies and in animation and stuff. I mean, they can't do anything in live action. Marvel themselves. So, it, it, like now, it's like it's Marvel it's does it. Marvel does all that stuff themselves. Does what? It's the movies and the TV shows. Marvel runs all that stuff. Yeah, but it's not Marvel Studios. Yeah, they are. Cartoons are. All of it are. The uh, live action Spider Man isn't part oh, of. Oh no, I'm sorry, Spider Man. No, but the cartoons are. Well, yeah, the car- that's is. what I'm saying. The oh, cartoons sorry, are, right. but the, yeah, yeah. yeah the, I'm just talking about the live action okay. thing. They can't. Mm-hmm. So they can't co-opt that. They can't take advantage of you know the that stuff in the movies. Mm-hmm. 
Thinking of um, Ultimate Spider-Man movie. The point um, is, the point is, I, I just, it doesn't seem to be. There's a, there's no reason for it, other so than it, the, it the one book's really good. Well, Miles is a new on. start. I mean, Miles yeah. is a new start. That's like going back to 13 years ago, and so you can say kids now can pick up. Uh, yeah, but in the same token, you could do. You, there's no reason why you. It has to be an Ultimate Spider-Man. They had, you know, they did Spider-Man 2099 alongside Ultimate Amazing Spider-Man. You know, they're just different Spider-Man stories. There's no reason for the line, I don't think anymore. Uh, the, the 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 other thing that he'd asked about also, though, that I, I don't, I'm, we're not going through all the continuity, but the big thing that did happen was that there was a big civil war in the United States, uh, and and it, Captain America died. president. Uh, it basically, the the upshot of it was that Cap Captain America became voted president, uh, and and AIM was behind the whole thing, or Hydra, or AIM and Hydra. I really enjoyed that joke in Spider-Man about how. Uh, it was a Lego. Yeah. It was a Lego set with President Captain America that right, was rare. Right, yeah. yeah. Um. You know, and and the thing is, Ultimates is, will be good now and then, and then kind of not. And you know, like it's it. There's no legacy to it that makes you feel like you have to keep reading it when it's not good. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man has that a little bit, but it's kind of never not good. And I've never been into Ultimate X-Men. It's just not vital anymore. It doesn't feel. It was it was a big deal at the time. Thirteen years on, it just seems, sort of seems like this thing that still exists because it's of inertia. Yeah, it's inertial. Yeah. So, so there you go, Sean. Let's do a voicemail. We got one asking about a classic character. Hey, fellas, Sean from New York here. Just curious what your thoughts are on Captain Marvel, and I'm talking Shazam style Captain Marvel. Uh, when he's in the persona, are there two different people? Um, is it just Billy with the Wisdom of Solomon, like Jeff Johnson, JSA. And also, why do you think this guy can't get his own series and just really go forward with that? There's something about Captain Marvel uh, that works today. All right, guys. Love to hear what you think. I hope that's not the same Sean. That would be awkward. <laughs> um. <laughs> we should do that one day. We should have, like, themed, themed audience questions where the same person gets to ask three questions or something. Captain Marvel, when Billy becomes Captain Marvel, it's not like he's too... It's not like there's another person he's entering. The, he's just growing big. He doesn't not, have. He doesn't. He doesn't get adult mind though. Like he doesn't. He get no. That? He's got kid mind. That's why he's kind of like he acts like a kid because he's. Yeah. He's, he's just a kid in a man's body. But doesn't he have like the the what is it the wisdom of of he Solomon? has the yeah but he but he's still a kid though with all that stuff right. so he's a, he's a, he's a he's a wise kid but ultimately like that's did why he, did he, he use that they don't really like, use do, that. I feel like I've never seen him use that he should the wisdom part. but that's I mean, why he was in, in the jsa story he was hanging out with star girls maybe he teenagers. gets that when he like comes of age maybe like it gets unlocked to him mm-hmm. but it's not he's not it's not like a firestorm scenario where he enters a man's body and there's a man in there which no and it's and it's not like sounds wrong sounds wrong and it's not like thor either yeah the boy donald soul. blake and that's that was the whole conceit of kingdom come was that was that uh he grew into adulthood mentally and there was an episode of uh, Young Justice where all the adults disappeared from reality. Like there was one reality where the adults were there and the kids were missing and then vice versa. And by switching back and forth between Captain Marvel and Billy Batson, he was able to go between both worlds and save the day. Yeah. So that's what that is. Then why can't he su- succeed with a book? It's He's a little old-fashioned. There's a lot of things that can't succeed in their own sort of comic book series now, and I, I, I think he's kind of like Legion. Yeah, you know, he's got yeah. like a small, he's got a small hardcore base of fans. Yeah, uh, like like honestly, obviously, if you put like a a list creative team on him, he'd succeed like anybody would. It's also like he Not has this that the, time, right? The same criticism that people would would level at Superman could be leveled at Shazam now, but like times ten. But times ten, but then also, and like he's not even as popular as Superman, and and Superman has enough trouble. I think you know with his own book. <laughs> I think that because he's a kid, I don't feel like he was ever properly adapted into the world that came when comics got dark, when they became for adults. And I feel like that's a. He's always been a throwback. Yeah, like there was no way to make him dark because he's a kid. So therefore, you can't make him. You can't make him in that world and talky tawny and those people dark. I think the best you can do is have him be a supporting character in a book like Justice yeah. Society, where he, you can play off that the fact that he's sort of a naive mm-hmm. kid from or, a goofy. Or you, or, world. or you do what Mark Wade did, and he already did it. But right. I think that's it. Like, like you can't, you can't put that that character into Batman's pain cave. 
Yeah, and the thing, like the, the Trials of Shazam book was good, but it, it sort of, it, you know, wasn't really the traditional, you know, traditional Shazam fans got pissed off by right. it. Right, and so like that, even that fan base didn't buy it. Because right. that's not Billy, right? That's no. It was, uh, it, it was it was Captain Marvel Junior becoming Captain, but the thing was, it was trying to make it more of a modern take, and it just didn't have that feeling. It was good. It was a good book. I'm thinking, I'm a I'm a big Shazam fan, and you can't call him Captain Marvel anymore. Uh, but you know, I don't know that he would work necessarily. You, you could have a you know, there's tons of great creators out there who probably have a good idea that could make it work, and maybe they will. But uh, like, I, I would love like you know like a like a Roger Langridge, you know. Right, the only way that's, like sort of, that's sort of playing with the jokey aspect of it, which doesn't play wide anymore. What there is, though, now that there I don't was, care what they want, I just want what I want. You know, but what there is now that didn't exist before is a there is a, a it's a small audience, but there is an audience for more more different types of genre within that genre. Like you could sort it through a throwbacky book, at least a little bit. Whereas I don't think, you know, 10 years ago there was no place for it. Which is why I think you see, in addition to the fact that Gary Frank can't do a monthly book, you see him in the back of Justice League because you can have those st- stories as a, as a bonus. Yeah. Um, and, they were, and this is even, even this is tra- sort of trading the line of mo- modernizing it, but it, there are, you know, it isn't really the traditional Captain Marvel we're seeing in, in these stories anyway. It, no. You know, it's, it, it, it's a fine line to walk with Captain Marvel more than almost, in this, I think Paul's right, more than Superman even. It's that. You think Alan Moore wrecked it? No, no, I don't think he wrecked it. I just think no. the, the, the times have changed. I just yeah, I think I, th- I, th- I think that's it. I think that's it's a time thing, and um, I don't. But he's the, like Justice Society might be the that might be the pinnacle for him in yeah, modern uh, uh, ensemble. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. So. Adam from Louisville, Kentucky writes and says, D- DC did their new 52. Marvel had started Marvel Now. Rebooting, relaunching, whatever you want to call it. The attempts to draw on new readers. There have been debate whether this has been successful or not. I feel that DC, Marvel, Image, etc. would have had easier time drawing in new readers by using new avenues of advertising. Ads for comics are typically in comics. What is the point of that? To keep comic readers reading comics? Of course we are going to keep reading comics. We're already hooked. What about drawing in new readers? Why not advertise on TV, before movies, billboards, non-comic-related websites? For example, seeing an ad for Age of Ultron on a comic book website only serves to remind a current reader, not tantalize a new reader. What are your thoughts on this? I feel like only advertising comics within comics is counterintuitive. Well, the, I mean, they've tried as much as they are they can, and we'll, we'll just get this, get this out of the way now before we get into why they don't do it. But they, they you know, Josh did hear an Age of Ultron ad on the radio. Allegedly, I don't know if that's if I, I believe it. you one hundred percent because I've never heard anyone else say they heard one. I heard it. It was on a local radio station. They advertised on like ESPN or something. I think uh, recently. Allegedly, Marvel. this could all have been in your head because I've never heard anyone else say it. But the, apparently, that happened. They they really focused on New Hampshire. They just sort of zoned in on that Boston, state. Boston, but um, and then they did some New Fifty Two advertising. You know, not. Not like on TV, but they, they, it was in mag- there was a lot of magazine articles about it, which is done through the PR. You know, that's the PR department in DC setting those things up. There's, there was a bunch of mainstream press for the movie too, and from anecdotally from comic stores that did bring at least lapsed readers back in. Sure, uh, what, subliminal. How messages. long they stayed is a question, but they, they did bring them in through this advertising campaign that was low rent. Why was it low rent, Josh? There is no way to make the return on investment from what TV advertising would cost. In order to reach enough people, it would cost them more money than they would ever make selling comics. It doesn't work. And people always say, well, Marvel owns – Disney owns Marvel, Warner Brothers, blah, blah, blah. None of that matters. It's a, it's make, a, their department has to make a profit. It's a waste of money because – and I, I do hate to say this. Don't think enough people want to read comics. You can put those ads all over the place, yeah. But only a very tiny percentage of people are going to be swayed to to go read comics. It's, it's, it's not it's, like there, there it's aren't like enough. It's like Captain Marvel. The times have changed. Yeah. There there aren't enough latent comic readers. Like this is it. Like the potential comic readers. In the same way that they don't do t- you know they don't do TV commercials for best selling books. Because such a small percentage they of the audience. They do a couple of them. They, they do. do. Yeah, yeah, I know, but but just generally, it's it's the same Mostly sort of concept, online. though. But you know, people like the, that's not their potential audience. That's it's it's you're not going to capture them that way, and and the money that you would have to put in to get that many eyeballs would never come back. It's it's, it's more a P and L scenario than it is. I mean, they the do. The radio thing baffles me. I, they uh, do they, they do advertise big best selling books a lot on TV a lot, but. Uh, 
you know, they just they, uh, you're talking about a industry with razor thin margins. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole entire in, you know, look at it this way: Iron Man three in its two weeks of release is it two weeks? Has been out two weeks, uh, whatever. How long it's been out? Uh, worldwide will have generated more profit than the entire comics industry does in a year. Yes. Uh, so that is why they don't also, worry about the comics as much as they worry about m- the movies. You threw Image in there. There's no advertising budget for Image. That's not that's not how it works. Uh, the people, you know, people do their own comics. They give them to Image to publish. They pay Image a fee of the money that comes. Well, the back fee in. comes. Yeah, the fee comes uh, out. The money of that comes in. They don't pay it up front. That's not how it works. I feel like they're already doing the best thing they can do to get the people who would read comics to read comics, and it's keeping those characters in the public consciousness with the movies, um, because that's what got me reading comics again. Was seeing those those early X Men movies. That's what actually got me interested. But it's like we're mutants. I'm not just I'm not just anybody. I'm I'm a guy. Yeah, I have the X gene. It's true. I have I have that that receptor, and I pick up those those signals that feel sublimate that just pass over other people who aren't who wouldn't just be interested in comics it's not it's not just that they're not there there are there you know there are going to be some people that don't know that it's out there and know that they would like it but more often than not it's just that there are people that I, I don't I, I don't I don't think there's a lot of them I would out there. go I so far know. as to say that comics as they exist now have an incredibly high barrier to entry meaning that if you are interested in it that's good. Then you're going to go and you're going to find out how much they are and what you get. Well, for, for no, first you got to find where to get them, which is the most important, biggest right. problem you of, of do all. That. The, the just the reality is the finances aren't there for advertising, and the the way that they get more money out of out of the industry is to advertise to the people already reading them to get, read more. That has been their strategy. And market and build. That's been their strategy for a long time: is to get you, the comic reader, to to buy more comics. Cling on to the few people you already have. Yeah. That's about the best they can do. Which is why and you're seeing so many them dry. ads for the comics in the comics because they want you to buy more comics. Also, That's those how, are unpaid. Yeah, you know, those are places that they didn't sell other ads for, so they got to put something. The, the 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 amount of content that is in a comic book is fixed, and then the amount of spaces they have open. Listen, if if uh, if if they have a, a choice between putting in a house ad for something or Tide is going to put an ad in there, they'll take the Tide ad, but. So there you go, Adam. There's just there's just, there's just no money in TV advertising for comics. Even back in the '80s, when they were m- making you know more money, they, they didn't do it then because just the money isn't there in print. In comics. Ad, in print, uh, comics are not a wheel; they're a carousel. <laughs> You're just waiting for that right advertisement. If you have a question or a comment, you can email contact at ifanboy.com, and you can call our voicemail line at eight 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 fanboys three two six two six nine seven. In both cases, tell us your name and where you're from. I'm curious if this was the same Sean. For both, we'll find the out. Same I guess. Sean did write in an earlier question for the first one. I know that much. So there it was a madman joke. I caught that, and then okay. it came around to bite him in the ass later because he had to sit and watch a slideshow. Yep. Anyway, uh, you can listen to the Make Comics podcast. New one came out last week uh, about uh, uh, titles. Thinking about uh, what you should be thinking about uh, when you come up with a title. Uh, for titles, your, for the first your- thing you need, right? It should be. The, I wouldn't do. Do anything. the title first. I wouldn't do. I would. I would think of the title, and then I would hire a person, uh, as much as you can afford, uh, to design the logo in the title first, and only then start working <laughs> on the plot. Because that's the most important thing. Uh, no, you, should, you should spend like three or four months just on the title and the logo, right? It's like a. It's it's it, and also cost wise, you want to look at it sort of like an engagement ring, two months salary. Right. I think that's that's the best rule of thumb to go with. No, no, no. We will give you helpful and practical advice on uh, on creating comics, uh, both from the creative and the realistic business standpoint of the world. Is me and uh, Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, uh, who is professionally teaching you how to make comics, uh, is a former editor from Marvel and IDW uh, and a writer himself. Uh, you can check that out. There'll be another episode soon. And uh, coming up soon, we have that talk explode. Uh, with Glenn Weldon about Superman, the unauthorized biography. Uh, as I said last week, it'll be this coming week, and it's still this coming week. So it's just a rolling this coming week. Now it's coming up. Um, we also have a special edition podcast. Uh, I'll be sitting down with Connor and Mike to talk about Star Trek Into Darkness. That's right. Uh, the new Star Trek movie. The three, uh, Me and Paul and Mike, probably the three biggest Star Trek fans on the staff. Ever? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, sitting down to talk about the new movie. Uh, the new the sequel to Star Trek. So this is the second big release, and then in a month we will have Superman. 
So this is big. there will be spoilers. Be spoilers. So there. I do not know how to talk about this movie without spoiling it. So yeah. So so check that out. It'll be on ifanway.com. <laughs> Or it'll be on uh, this feed behind this episode. You can find it. So check out ifanboy.com for the Pick of the Week review and more in-depth comic book stuff and all the important news and discussion topics. Go to ifanboy.com slash about to see the staff of ifanboy and our social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy. Stay in touch on facebook.com slash you guessed it ifanboy. The you guessed it is not part of the URL. Don't put that in there. That won't work. Don't put that in there. Page not found. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. You can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Uh, if you do call in for the show, remember to, to get to your point. Say you have a good question for us. Tell us your name and where you're from, and uh, and uh, hopefully we can get you on the show. Uh, we, can, we can always use good questions. That, that Shazam question, great question. question. Yep, good question. And finally, if you like this show or any podcast you listen to, please go to iTunes and take a few minutes to write a review. Helps people find shows they're looking for. Let's find out these shows they're looking for are any good, if people like them or not. So it really helps. So if, if you are a fan of this podcast or any podcast, please, uh, please take a few minutes to do that. We, we would really appreciate it. And so would all everyone who makes a podcast for your enjoyment. Get a tattoo. iFanboy.com. Don't, don't get a tattoo. Tattoo. I, don't. Do I, uh, don't. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't. Get one immediately after breaking up with your girlfriend. Why would that matter? Well, because you're in some sort of emotionally fragile state. You what might would make, you get? You might make a bad tattoo decision. You don't want to regret like, I understand it. Don't, I, like, I, don't, I, I understand <laughs> don't get like a tattoo when you're first starting into a relationship. Get the name. Like Steve no, 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 what I'm saying is, what I'm, here, here's what I'm saying. What situation? Made that the name you, of this might, you might be dating someone, let's say in college. Okay. And you might break up. Right. And then you might be in an emotionally vulnerable, fragile state because of that breakup. And you decide, you know what? I'm going to get a tattoo of the logo of my favorite podcast or perhaps the logo of a character I like from comics. And I'm going to get that and show her. And then you, you, you show no. her? almost immediately you might regret it. No. No? If in that in that it's a hypothetical, hypothetical scenario. scenario. Yeah. You're you're conflating things. Okay. What's this, Gordon? Hypothetically. <laughs> okay. It could be that that tattoo reminds that person of all the good things of a certain part of his life. I see. And in that way, it is still meaningful, and he doesn't actually regret it all that much. And but it didn't have anything to do with the fact that, other than the uh, with the the other thing ending, other than than a a signpost marker of the metaphor metamorphosis from one uh, state to another. Mm-hmm. And he would have liked. You- he would have liked, theoretically, to have done that more, but it, it hurt like a fuckload. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he doesn't even like getting shots. I see. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, hypothetically, that might be something one tells themselves to feel better about it. Hypothetically, you could eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's show. I'm Paul. I'm Connor. I don't think we were at our best this week. <laughs> no, I apologize. We'll be good next week. Oh, it's Josh's tattoo. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs>